Hey Dreamers, welcome to our third Lent Bible study podcast episode. We are chugging through the Gospels. This past week we've been reading, uh, we finished the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 23 through 28, and then we jumped into the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1 through 9. So that's what I'm going to be recapping, kind of highlighting what stood out to me based on the readings of this week. But before I dive into that, I want to just make sure that you know about our new spring collection. We just revealed it this week. We have some amazing limited edition items that are going to be for sale on our website on Tuesday, March 22nd. I'll be opening up the collection at noon. The collection will be locked all morning, uh, that Tuesday morning. And if you want to shop early, you need to be on our SMS list. So if you've ever gotten a text from me, then you are already on the SMS list. You're a VIP. You will get the passcode to purchase at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. So you'll get first dibs at this limited edition collection. If you want to be on our SMS list to make sure that you get the passcode at 10 a.m., get your texting fingers ready. My number is 877-387-6348. And just shoot me a text, one word, uh, all caps, SMSVIP. SMSVIP to that number 877-387-6348 and I'll shoot you a passcode at 10 a.m. so you can get first dibs because full disclosure I only have 300 bags being manufactured right now being created and once those sell out um, it'll be a minute before we do another pre-sale so this is a pre-sale if you buy the bag or the bundle that includes the bag you'll get your items at the end of April early May the latest if you order the even here devotion that will ship out immediately. But I'm really excited about this and super thankful for everyone that's going to participate in our spring collection launch happening this Tuesday, March 22nd. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey dreamers, welcome to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you've been led here, I believe it was on purpose. You are created and loved by God and your life is full of purpose. If you've been sitting in a season of searching or unfulfillment and you're ready to change your life and hear from God, this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Polly Payne, the CEO and founder of Horatio Printing, and I'm here to lead you in tactical, practical, faith-led trainings to help make your God-sized dreams a reality in your life and your business. Your dreams matter because you matter. So open up your planner, pour a cup of coffee, and let's dream together. Okay, I am so proud of everyone that's been doing the Lent Bible study. I know for some people in our community, in the Christian Dreamers community on Facebook especially, this is your first time truly reading a book of the Bible, like truly sitting down to devour this for yourself. And I could not be more proud of you. And if you've fallen off the wagon on this journey, that's okay. There's no shame here. Um, It's not about having a perfect track record. It's just about dusting yourself off trying again, getting in the word, and really hopefully creating this amazing habit that's going to truly transform your life. So let's talk about some some key themes that I see uh, in the book of Matthew. So we finished the book of Matthew this week, chapter 23 through 28. And if you go into Matthew chapter 23, it really starts with a warning. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's telling them the different things that they're doing wrong. 
and the consequences of not having the right heart set on the actions that they're taking. He calls them frauds, hypocrites. And one of the things that stood out to me that kind of heart checked me was in Matthew chapter 23, verses 23. And this is reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, Great sorrow awaits you, rigid religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and pretenders. You are obsessed with peripheral issues. You are obsessed with peripheral issues, like paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herbs you grow in your garden. In the NIV, it says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So he's saying you're you're doing all these tiny little rules and wasting your time on these things when really God looks at your heart and it's not about these tiny actions it's about your heart. Jesus looks at the heart. He says we are becoming obsessed with these peripheral issues and I think that is so easy to do. That was a heart check for me like am I obsessed obsessing with peripheral issues? things that really show on the outward, superficial religion. This is such a good thing to just sit and think about. Am I obsessed with any peripheral issues? God cares about our heart, where our heart is, what it's focused on, what it is producing. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. So that's really what kind of stopped me in my tracks when I was starting uh, Matthew chapter 23 through 28. The next thing that is obviously a big theme in this reading is the end of times. Oh my goodness. It talks so much about what we can expect for the end of times when Christ is coming back, which spoiler alert, he doesn't tell you when exactly. It's going to be unknown. He's going to come as a thief in the night. Uh, you know, it's not something we can truly be prepared for. But one of the things he said was, and this is so timely for right now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, you will hear wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of war to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. Gulp. (laughs) But it won't be the end yet. It'll still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against each other and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be terrible earthquakes, seismic seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the first contractions and the birth pains of the new age will begin. So if you can imagine when Jesus was saying this, how many wars have transpired since then? You know, I can imagine during World War One or World War Two, Christians saying, here it is, you know, here's the birth pains. And here we are sitting at the precipice of, you know, God forbid, a, another war uh, that the whole entire world might participate in. And God clearly says, don't panic or give in to your fears. Easier said than done, for sure. But you can honestly rest assured that you will not know the time that Christ is coming back. We don't know. Um, But in verse 13, there is an exaltation of hope. It says in verse 13, this chapter 24, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, it says, 
but keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will arrive. In the NIV, it says, But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Keep your hope to the end, and you will experience life, friends. That is a promise. Throughout the end of Matthew, before Jesus is you know, going to be betrayed and handed over to be killed, He's reminding us of the importance of being ready, alert, and prepared because we do not know when the end of times is going to be, but it is critical for us to be ready, to be prepared. And I didn't really know, like, what does that mean? I really kind of sat with that, like, what does that even mean? In the parable of the ten virgins, he kind of um, explains that, you know, these ten virgins don't have enough oil for their lamps, and so they were foolish, right? They didn't have enough oil and they weren't prepared when the bridegroom came. Well, what does that mean? How do we make sure we have oil in our lamps? Like how, how can I be obedient in this calling to be alert and ready? What does that mean? And what's interesting, I was reading that the oil often represents the Holy Spirit. So I think the way that we can truly be prepared is to saturate ourselves in the Holy Spirit, to continue to make space for God and to be present to his presence as we live our lives. So Matthew goes on to share the story of Jesus being betrayed by his own disciple, being handed over to the Romans, being mocked, tortured, and crucified. And after three days, spoiler alert, he rose from the dead. He resurrected and the first person that he shared this news with was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary. He told two women to go share the good news. And Matthew chapter 28 ends with the Great Commission. And right before the Great Commission, this scripture really stood out to me. It said, The moment they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still had lingering doubts. And of course, I think this is alluding to doubting Thomas, but, you know, some still had lingering doubts. And this is truly just so encouraging to me that some doubted. His disciples that truly saw miracles face to face, like had Jesus in their presence, they had doubts. And guess what? God had mercy for them. God has mercy for them. So if you've ever had doubts, struggles with this belief, you're not alone. And that's okay. There's space for you in that season of doubt. Verse 18 said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. And that is the end of Matthew. I know I kind of sped through that a bit. It's hard to go through every nuance of this amazingly rich text. And I'm definitely not a Bible scholar at all. So I'm just kind of highlighting the things that stood out to me as I was reading it. 
So let's move on to the book of Mark. Who is Mark? Okay, so Mark was a disciple of Peter. Remember Peter, whom Jesus said, I'm going to build, build my church on you. You are, you know, Peter the rock. Peter describes Mark as my son in the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. So Mark hung out with Peter a lot and wrote this book based on Peter's testimony. And obviously, Holy Spirit had a divine inspiration on Mark to help him write this inspired text. And what's great about Mark is it's short, but it is action-packed. He is all about sharing the miracles, the wonder, the amazing things that Jesus did in his ministry. Another really cool thing is that when we look at the book of Acts, which is when, you know, the church started to build and after, you know, Jesus is gone, what happens next? Um, we learn that John Mark, it was related to Barnabas and Barnabas and Paul, you know, traveled together doing missionary work. And it is explained in the book of Acts that some sort of failure took place in Mark's life. He left the team for a short while and then... Paul refused to have Mark rejoin them. There was some sort of rift there, uh, and it caused a rift between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas ended up still taking Mark with him to do work uh, and to spread the gospel, but there was some sort of failure that Mark had uh, that kind of got him kicked off the team for a minute. And that's really encouraging to me. Like how, and I'm going to read this little note out of the Passion Translation introduction. It says, isn't it amazing how God doesn't give up on us because of our failures? It is comforting to see how God's mercy restored Mark and used him to write this inspired record, a gospel that will endure for all eternity. Later on, Paul kind of turned back to love on Mark and to say good things about Mark in the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, he says, for he, Mark, was a tremendous help for me in my ministry. So this is just a reminder that your failures, you personally, your failures do not disqualify you from doing the work of God, from being the hands and feet of Jesus, for making a change, for making a difference, for planting seeds that bear eternal fruit. I have personally made so many failures in my life. I remember when I first had the inkling to even start a company that was Christian. I remember thinking in my head, God, are you kidding me? Like if people see me starting a Christian company, they are going to laugh because they were, you know, some of my clubbing friends or they were people seeing me on a regular basis. And it's like that this doesn't align with who I have been and the actions I've taken. So if you've ever had a failure or maybe you're carrying some shame from a um, moral failure you've had, I want you to know today, this does not disqualify you. And Mark and his failures are a testament of look what he did. He wrote one of the Gospels. It's amazing. So let's dive into the book of Mark. One of the things I've really been doing in my study of the Gospel is trying to figure out what Jesus did with his schedule. I'm a planner girl, obviously. So I'm like, what is he doing with his life? Because I want to emulate his lifestyle so that I can unlock his life and life to the full. So I'm going to read a couple things that I've underlined that were special in terms of what he does with his time. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 it says on the next morning Jesus got up long before daylight left the house while it was dark and made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. Okay that's an activity that is something he did in his schedule and through that activity he later the next thing he did, does is 
preaches, heals, and casts out demons. His power came through prayer, and that power came through carving out time for him to go and be in a secluded place. And he did that before daylight. So that's a, a neat activity that he did. He obviously took a lot of walks. Verse 13, Jesus went out to walk near Lake Galilee as he was walking along. Um, he was always traveling. He was always on the move, but he was walking. He was going at a slow pace. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Once again, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lakeside. So he was always withdrawing, going away to the wilderness, to the quiet place, to the solitude, to the eremos. Mark chapter 6, verses 31. This one's pretty relatable. There was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. So Jesus said to his disciples, come, let us take a break, find a secluded place where you can rest a while. They slipped away by sailboat for a deserted spot. Mark chapter 4 verses 38. This is during the storm on the lake. Verse 38 says, But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So Jesus was constantly on a slow-paced walk. He often withdrew to quiet places to pray or to be alone with his disciples for the sole purpose of getting away to rest. In the midst of a storm, our Jesus, he's sleeping. And there's a big storm happening in our world right now. If you turn on the news, it's storming. It's scary. It's like, hello, Jesus. Hey, God, do you see what's going on? Like, can we, can we what's going on here? You know, it's, it's frightening. We can get really worked up about it. But I just want you to know in this season right now, Jesus is resting. Do not fear. The book of Mark is just filled with miracles. It's miracle after miracle after miracle. He feeds the 5,000. He feeds another group. He heals people from demons and from not being able to see or being mute uh, diseases. I mean, it is just one miracle after another. And here's the truth. Every miracle carries a message. These miracles that were recorded in this text are not random. It's intentional. Each miracle truly reveals the character of God, the character of our Lord. Through these miracles, Jesus is shown as the healer. He's shown as the provider. He's shown as the almighty powerful. It also shows whenever he's healing people, he's so calm with it. Like nothing, it doesn't seem like he's getting riled up. You know, like this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years touches him. He's calm. Who touched me? He turns around, you know, oh, it was you. You know, he, he's not upset. He's not in a hurry. And what's really amazing, all these people keep interrupting him. You know, what our Jesus continuously displays, he is responsive. He's interruptible. He is compassionate and he's totally fine with interruption, which is totally unlike us, right? I do not want to be interrupted. Like I'm recording this podcast right now. Please nobody interrupt me. I'm doing something. You know, like I don't want to be interrupted, but our Jesus, he welcomes it. He welcomes our, our voice, our presence, our concern, our burdens. He says, come, come to me, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you healing. I'm your provider. He is all those things. And his miracles were not random. There is a message in every miracle. 
after one of the feedings of the 5,000, Jesus and his disciples get in a boat and they go across the lake. And this is in Mark chapter 8. And they land and the Pharisees at the time um, were arguing with Jesus and they were, they were demanding a miracle. And he was like, no, I'm not going to give you a miracle. Like your heart is in the wrong place and he leaves. And so he's on the boat with his disciples and he's warning the disciples of the quote unquote yeast of the Pharisee. And the disciples don't know what he's talking about. And what Jesus was talking about is the yeast of the Pharisees. They are sick in their hearts. And yeast is something when it contaminates it, like if it contaminates bread or it touches bread, it's going to run its course through the entire loaf, right? So be careful of a little seed or a planting of something that's unhealthy in your heart from someone else because it can contaminate your entire heart. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's constantly teaching them about their heart and keeping it pure, uh, being on guard, heart checking yourself. And the disciples didn't know what he was talking about. And honestly, if I was there, I probably wouldn't have either. You know, it's easy to look back and say, how could they not realize it? And the disciples are like, is this because we forgot bread? Because they're concerned that they don't have food to eat. And at that time, they're like, we forgot bread. We forgot bread. And Jesus is like, I'm not talking about legit bread. I'm talking about your heart. And at that time in the boat, the disciples were worried because they didn't have enough food to eat. And Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And he says, when I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000 people, how many loaves of bread did we have left? 12. And when I multiplied the food to feed over 4,000, how many large baskets of leftovers did you gather? He said, seven. And he goes, then how is it that you don't get it? Another way to say that is, why are you worried about the how much bread we have right now? Why are you concerned with the peripheral issues? Why are you concerned with what you have in your hand right now? When I, the Almighty, the miracle worker, the ultimate provider and healer, I've got you. Every miracle has a message. So I hope that you can see in this text that Jesus is your miracle worker. He's your provider. He is your lover. He is your comforter. He is your healer. And he is responsive to your voice. The last section of Mark that I want to talk about is when Jesus is talking about the seeds. So Mark chapter 4, he talks about the parable of the farmer who scattered seeds and how important it is that we have sufficient root systems to grow. And it goes on in verse 26. He talks to them about the growing seed. 26, it says, Jesus also told them this parable. God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed and gets up day after day, and the seed sprouts and grows tall, though he knows not how. All by itself, it sprouts and the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, then the head of the stalk, and then a fully developed grain in the head. Then when the grain is ripe, he immediately pulls the sickle to the grain because harvest time has come. So think about this. Us sharing the good news is like spreading seed on the ground. And here's the good news. We don't have to know how it's all going to work. We don't have to know how it's going to plant and transform that person's heart. That is up to God and Jesus. In verse 28, it says, all by itself, it sprouts. And I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing here. It's not by our force. 
It's not by my doing, my strength. It's by God. Our job is to spread good seeds, to plant good seeds. So I want to encourage you this week, as you live your life uh, this weekend, next week, what seeds am I planting? What seeds can I plant through kindness, forgiveness, a sweet text message? Ask someone if you can pray for them. Spreading encouragement, spreading the good news, sharing a testimony of something powerful in your life to someone else. Hey, I was praying about this and it happened. I want to share it with you. Share the good news of your life to somebody in your life. Be there for them. Be Jesus. Be interruptible. Be calm. Be responsive. Plant good seeds. That's truly uh, my big takeaway for this week. And I want to end this podcast episode with a quick Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina just simply means divine reading, and it's where I'm going to read a scripture three times with a pause in between, and we're just going to relax and just sit with Jesus in this time. For today's Lectio, we're going to do the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. I'm going to read it out of the NIV, then the Passion, then the NIV again. So when you just sit, find a comfortable place, get cozy, close your eyes. We're going to take a deep breath and just welcome God into this space. Breathe in. Breathe out. Let go of what's happening later today. Let go of what happened earlier today. Just make this space right here to meet with God. Breathe in. Breathe out. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then Jesus came close to them and said, All authority of the universe has been given to me. Now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Dear God, thank you so much for your promises, your faithfulness. Lord, we know that you've revealed your character to us. You are our healer, our provider, our comforter. You are the great I am. Lord, we repent of our sins, of our doubts, of our failures, God. We release this to you. We ask for your loving mercy to be poured over us. God, we ask for protection over our homes, over our family members. Lord, help us to see your children as your children, God. Help us to plant good seeds that you have called us to plant to those around us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. I hope that this blessed you. You are so loved. Bye, guys.